Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Andorra, a tiny independent country situated between France and Spain in the Pyrenees Mountains, with a total population of 80,000 people, found itself at the center of one of the most convoluted and outrageous bank robberies in modern history. On March 10, 2015, Banca Privada de Andorra, a private bank in Andorra, was shut down by Spanish, American, and Andorran governments in Spain's effort to destroy the Catalonian independence movement that's leaving dozens of innocent civilians facing prison for money laundering crimes that never existed and scores of innocent families have their life savings entirely yeah. stolen from them this is just a very very small thread of this incredible documentary film called the andorra hustle and we're joined today by eric marola eric you may know you may know eric from such films as brzezinski's second opinion Leotrell at sloan kettering uh, the God Cell, and so many other wonderful documentary works. And Eric Marola, welcome back to Film School Radio. It's great to be back. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I mean it when I say, and I want the audience to understand, just what a remarkable story this is. One of those stories where, as said in the film, you couldn't have made this up. No one would believe you. Tell me a little bit about how you became aware of Andorra in the first place. Andorra is a country that most people haven't even heard of, but how you came to know about this story of this private bank in Andorra. Sure. Yeah, it's funny. One guy said, Andorra, that sounds like one of the planets from Star Wars. It's a country, you know? (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, so I've been doing these movies for 10 years and most of my subject matter has been about innovative technology and how innovative technology can disrupt the status quo. And I spent a lot of time uh, exploring that kind of thing in science and medicine. I've always wanted to break out and not be sort of, you know, in that niche of just only that. So I've been personally interested in how cryptocurrency is sort of disrupting the money system, it's, it's going to, whether it be Bitcoin or, or stable coins, whether America mints its own digital dollar, whatever it is, um, where you can be able to send money as fast as emails. So that got me down the road of going, okay, if you have crypto, all of your money's in crypto, you don't need a bank account. And which led me to the next thing, into the next thing, into the next thing. I could talk for an hour about this, but the gist of it is, in this little journey, I discovered the Section 311, found that fascinating. Um, that America has the power to do this. And what that is, is a, the U.S. Treasury just sends a press release called a Section 311, uh, announcing that any bank on earth, doesn't matter, <laughs> is, a, a, is laundering money, and then immediately that bank is shut down. And then I also found it fascinating that HSBC laundered a billion dollars for Sinaloa drug cartel. Donska Bank laundered $230 billion. They didn't have Section 311s. Like, this is very odd. And then I noticed that most Section 311s were, all Section 311s were only done on the teeniest, tiniest unknown banks, and more than half of them had them withdrawn shortly after, with BPA, the subject of this story, being the fastest withdrawal in U.S. Treasury's history, which made it stand out like a sore thumb. So they would draw it, by the way, the Treasury withdraws it because they have no evidence of the accusations they have against these banks. So 
anyway, like, so I started poking around and poking around and I contacted the American attorney that's in the movie, Eric Lewis, because I wanted to talk to the owners of the bank. And they said, I'm, they have nothing to do with talking to me. In fact, they don't, they don't do any media. They didn't want to go anywhere uh, to talk to anybody in the media. And so I got enough funding to just go to Andorra. I mean, I can get into more detail about how I finally got there, but so, and I did manage to get a meeting with the CEO of BPA. And that was, just, that was my only lead. And plus, it was just fun. Part of the fun of doing these films is the travel, especially if you get funding approved. And I didn't know if I was going to make a movie. And then long story short, one thing led to another, to another. I interviewed one person, led to another person. And as soon as I realized that this had to do with the Catalonian conflict, the war between Madrid and Catalonia, and that basically this bank was the equivalent of like a drone strike in the Middle East that hits a wedding by accident instead of the target. I mean, that's just the more I unpeel the onion, just the more attached to the story I became. And uh, before I know it, I was interviewing presidents of Catalonia. I mean, it's just, it's just you never plan these things. You just never know where it's going to go. So, Well, let, let's back up just a, a little bit. Sure. It's in the film, but it, we find out later on. But Catalonia is a province, I'll call it a state or a province within mm. Spain, that has a very different sort of cultural and political heritage than much of the rest of Spain. And it has been for a long time seeking to become an independent state. Mm-hmm. And so that is one, and that the Spanish government in Madrid is dead sent against it against that happening. So that sort of sets up this other part of the film, which is a reveal. I'm not I'm not comfortable exactly how far down this road I want to go in describing how it's related to <clears throat> the 311 against um, against the bank in Andorra. Mm-hmm. But let let's leave that. For right now, and I want to explain exactly where 311 came from. The FinCEN uh, 311 came from. Where 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 did that instrument of uh, mass destruction come from? Well, September the 11th, 2001 hit, as we know, and out of you know the ether came the Patriot Act, which created all sorts of legislation, uh, giving America you know expanded powers. And deeply within it uh, is something called a Section 311, which um, literally gives America the power to write a one-page press release. They send it out across the world saying, this bank is laundering money for terrorists or whoever. Um, it's really designed for te- uh, fighting terrorism funding, but it's being used for anything but. Um, and even if somebody was like laundering money for drug dealers or human trafficking or whatever, it qualifies for a section 311. But the fascinating thing about it is you don't need any evidence or proof. You you do it under the guise of so-called, quote, secret evidence. Uh, you have secret evidence that you cannot disclose. Therefore, you know, we're releasing this section 311. And of course, it creates a wonderful scenario for it being misused, which it has been since day one, unfortunately. But Okay. Yeah, this is something, again, just as an American citizen, uh, there are a lot of problems I had with the Patriot Act when it was passed and have continued to this day to have with it. But this is another reveal about that particular uh, legislation, that law, that essentially gives the United States unique power over the world's banking system. Is that an incorrect sense? No, that is absolutely correct. But again, I can't help myself but to point out that they have this unique power, but they use it in all the wrong ways. I mean, 
HSBC was caught red-handed uh, laundering over a billion dollars for the Sinaloa drug cartel. D um, Danske Bank uh, was caught red-handed laundering uh, $230 billion for the Russians. So why, would, why no Section 311s on those banks? They qualify perfectly for them. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so, yeah. There's so many things about this film that ask is almost, well, maybe more question that, questions than it answers in the sense of, the world we live in, not necessarily about this particular episode, because it's a very immersive and thorough investigation into what happened to uh, to the bank, to uh, BPA, and 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 the ramifications of it that it had on not only on the people who worked at the bank, but on the country of Andorra. And Andorra, uh, like some other countries, I think in Europe, we we are vaguely familiar with that are these. Principalities? What are they? What are they? They're countries, right? I mean, they are yeah, actual yeah. countries, but what are their? They're micro countries, yeah. right? Well, uh, go ahead. But it also attracted me to the story. I was like, okay, there's Andorra is the only country of its type in on Earth, and it's a co-principality, and it has yeah. been for centuries, where it's ruled. One half is ruled by the president of, or prime minister of France, and the other half has always been a Vatican-ordained uh, bishop from Spain. And they were literally a medieval feudalistic society until, like, every, by every definition of the word, you have the owners and the knights and, like, the peasants, and, um, you know, up until 1993, which just makes it more fascinating. So now they have a democratically erected, elected president and have since 1993, but they're still considered a co-principality. So it's this bizarre threesome of rule, the president, and then a guy from France and a guy from Spain. And uh, ironically, um, no one uh, from France, no prime minister or president until BPA scandal hit, had ever stepped foot in the country of Andorra, even though they've been co-ruling co the place for centuries. <laughs> and no president of Spain, although the co-principality in Spain is not run by this president, it's run by the bishop, no president in Spain has ever stepped foot on, in Andorran soil. Uh, until the BPA issue, which is also fascinating, you know. So, yeah. so is it fair to call this essentially a uh, a country, a, a bank, a banking system masquerading as a country? I mean, that's maybe unfair to the citizens of Andorra, but it isn't that doesn't? It seems to me that the primary reason, or at least it's evolved into a place in which all kinds of international financial chicanery is possible and they, this is not the only place you know, the caymans the the release of the panama, panama papers yeah. reveal all of these kind of tax havens around the world is andorra a tax haven or well, I, I hope i'm not butchering yeah. no no you're not um it, it was for a long time um but ever since like starting with the patriot act and then continuing on to the 2008 banking crisis the world's kind of been tightening its noose but because andorra is situated right in the middle of europe but it's not a part of the European Union. It has no central bank. It's not a part of the IMF. It's the strangest place. And yet it's sandwiched between France and Spain. So to answer your question, yes, uh, for century, for, well, for decades, it's been a tax haven because it got its start while, you know, Jews were fleeing all over the place during yes. World War II and being robbed and murdered. Um, you know, all the existing offshore banks, like the big ones, were, you know, hiding the Nazi money. Well, 
Andorra's banking system was created out of this because all the Jews were flying, fleeing through Andorra, getting killed and having all their life savings stolen from them. Like, we need to do something with this, all this robbed stuff. Let's build a bank. And that's how the banking system began in the uh, 1900s there. But what Andorra is, it relies on tourism, yes, like 8 million tourists a year. So you ha they have a fantastic uh, skiing season, some of the best skiing in the world, I'm told. I was only there in the summer. Um, they also have a big duty-free shopping thing where all sorts of French and Spanish citizens go there to buy just like a giant duty-free store you see at the airport, but all kinds of things. I even purchased some camera equipment while there because I needed to replace something and I got a great deal on it because there was no taxes and it was like, like probably 15 or 20% cheaper than I would have purchased it back home. But of course, yes, the banking system is very popular. So was it a tax haven? Yes. And as I demonstrated in the movie, um, you know, like there were some really rich people in Spain, like when the Chinese case, they were driving with cash across the border to deposit in four of the five Andorran banks. So yes, um, there's no question. I mean, it's not against, at the time, up and now it's a little different, but at the, at the time of uh, the, the, the dateline of the Section 311, where they accused them of uh, being, quote, launderers, um, it was not illegal in Andorra to evade taxes because there really isn't much taxes in Andorra. And it's not in Andorra's control. If you are a Spanish citizen or an American citizen or any citizen wanting to put your money in Andorra, it's not their job to call up the Spanish government or the American government and say, is this guy hiding taxes from you? I mean, it's not the job of the bank. So yes, yes, it's definitely a tax haven. But on that note, what's so interesting is that BPA was yeah. one of the only good ones. They wanted to get away from this offshore model. And so they actually purchased a bank in Spain called Banco Madrid. So now they're a part of the European Union banking system. They're a European bank now. But of course, they're you know, their original branch of BPA was in Andorra, so they branched out. Um, so, and they wanted to get off of the offshore system. They wanted to be completely legitimate, which makes the story even more hilarious and ironic that they were <laughs> targeted for all of these crimes that didn't exist while all the other banks in Andorra were doing precisely what they were blamed for doing. <laughs> Just another tentacle of the story. Yeah. It is, there's so many tentacles in this. And yeah, I would, I would amend what I said earlier as, a, as a, saying it was a tax, or a tax, well, it is a tax haven. You said yeah. it, it's kind of a giant loophole. And, and by the way, it's a beautiful place. Uh, this, it looks like this beautiful valley, looked very lush, and it's one of the safest countries in the world. One of the, I, I mean, just all kinds of reasons you'd want to, when a visit there and, and uh, I was thinking, wow, what a great place to live. It must be. Mm -hmm. I want to remind our listeners that I, we are speaking with Eric Marola. He is the director of this incredible documentary film called the Andorra hustle. And it is available. It will be available coming up on September 4th on Amazon prime. Congratulations on uh, streaming for Amazon prime. Uh, and for those of you who are not familiar with Eric's work, he's been on a couple of times on the show to talk about uh, uh, the God cell, the fetal stem cell, which uh, journey, which I know you're you're still in some way or another sort of interested in pursuing that. Yeah, uh, you're also on for the uh, the Laetrile, which was uh, second opinion Laetrile at Sloan Kettering, which is another remarkable documentary film. Uh, your work is is really a deep dive into whatever it is that you are interested in, interested in. And I really admire that about you because uh, among the documentary filmmakers I, I've had on the program, which there are many, um, I've always find yours to uh, uh, tackle 
interesting and controversial subjects in a way that could, in, in lesser hands, become sensationalized and uh, sort of become sort of a freak show of sorts in, in, in the filmmaking and the way you approach. But you, you're very different. You're very thorough. And I, I just appreciate how balanced you are in your approach to uh, the, the film and to the work that you, you were uh, involved in. And I just want to acknowledge it. I think people, in many ways, you don't get the due that you're, you deserve for your work because um, it, it's among the finest documentaries around. So <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I always like taking on topics that have never been covered before, but have relevance to everyone's lives. So I think each one of my films, so that's another reason why this sort of fit the mold for me. It's like, you got this story, a country no one's ever heard of, a bank no one's ever heard of, a law America created that no one's ever heard of, (laughs) but all the players, everyone knows, you know, who's involved and when they watch it. But yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah, well, you're very welcome. Yeah, I, I really, it's, again, I mentioned to you, uh, this to you off mic, that it's difficult to talk about the documentary because there are a lot of moving parts, which is just sort of to try and pull off one part of it is, you know, and then leave out so many other important parts of the film are difficult. But it's also a film that it takes a, a pretty significant turn about two-thirds of the way into it when mm-hmm. all the, when you've really... Uh, thoroughly explain what happened to BPA and then it takes off in another direction. And I, I want to leave that for people to explore because it, it's a, another, another whole documentary uh, or more could come out of just so many aspects of, of this work. And I, I, I imagine for you, this had to be an enormously um, challenging undertaking. Yeah, it really, really was. I mean, like based on what you were just saying, like, once I realized that this bank was innocent, I said, okay, I've got to tear this apart and see and prove that as I'm trying to prove it to myself um, that this was the case. And then, of course, while you're watching this, um, and of course, as I was um, for many um, weeks in the process in the early days working on this, I'm just like always asking, why? Why, why, why? Why is this happening? Why would they do such a thing? Why create this chaos and this mountain of lies, why manipulate so many levels of media and law and everything else? And then you're like, oh, that's why. Oh, my God. Oh, that's why. <laughs> so that's what you're talking about the two thirds of the way through. Um, yeah. Uh, where I reveal the why. Um, and that's yeah. It's, and it's nice because the movie is so tight and fast and so hard to digest because I'm throwing so much at you, but all of it's relevant. And then you're able to breathe once you can, I get to the why. I hope you yeah, felt that yeah, way. Yeah, that's a great point. That's an excellent <laughs> point. You really do. It's because it's, it, there's, it's anxiety about, well, why, in, why is this happening? I mean, and you're, as I said earlier, you're, you, you know, anytime you have a question about, you know, well, did, does this area need to be explored? Is there something that we don't, you know, is there something lurking in the background here that we're not, that that is going to be the big reveal that it's not what we thought or whatever, but you keep knocking down these, these questions as you go through it in a way that you go, it, <laughs> it's right. I'm thankfully you found the why because, I don't know. I would have been ripping my hair out by the end of it. Well, if we, if you hadn't, and for people who are looking for a kind of a, a, a slight, correlation in terms of a frame of reference for a film this sort of reminds me of uh, steve james film abacus small enough to jail 
in 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 some there's a sort of a, a connection mm-hmm. to you know this kind of miscarriage of justice you know this the small the smallness of a an institution is vulnerable more vulnerable to attack as opposed to a larger institution especially in the world of banking that seems to be the new the new normal if you're big you are you can basically be uh you can do almost anything you want yeah and yeah. uh that's that that's another part of this this film that i think is another question that needs to be answered by by our, our leadership and not by, not by you, but by our leadership. <laughs> um, well, I just, I, I'm so grateful, so grateful that you made this film. Uh, and for people who are looking for something very different and you're going to find out about a lot of things that you did not know anything about before. And you're going to come away from this film feeling like not only have you been immersed in a very informative and engaging documentary, but you're going to feel like a better citizen for having watched this film and uh, um, and be on the lookout for abuse of power is, is always something as a citizen you should be looking at. So Eric Marola, I want to once again, thank you from the bottom of my heart for your time and for coming on today and talking about this. Anything else you want to mention about the film we mentioned, and I'll say it again, it'll be streaming on Amazon Prime September 4th. Uh, and anything else that you'd like to talk about or anything sure. just on your mind? Because um, I, yeah, I, well, okay. It's not only is it going to be on uh, Amazon Prime and all the English territories in English, but it's also going to be in completely in Spanish and completely in Catalan. I, uh, I got a big uh, kind of semi-famous Spanish uh, voiceover guy in Spain to do the Spanish version. And in many ways, the Spanish version is almost better than the English version uh, because you've got this rock star narrator and it's, it's a, you know, that's a Spanish story, basically. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be on Amazon Prime streaming in Spain in, in Spanish. But I'm also going to release all three versions uh, for free on YouTube, uh, like same weekend. So if someone doesn't have Prime, you know, because we really, this story needs to get out there. And I, so we just went all out. So we're not really worrying about the commercial back end. Um, and we're just, it, this story, we want to see where this story goes. Like I was even invited to go present it to the European Union Parliament in Brussels in April. And that was going to be the end of the movie. I was going to show it and we have a big Q&A round, round table discussion. And I was going to put that, you know, it's clips, highlights of that at the end, just to, you know, to see where this is going to go. But unfortunately, COVID derailed all of that. So this movie was going to be released, you know, over the summer or the spring, but I kept waiting for COVID. Yeah. Of course, it's not going anywhere. So anyway, yeah, it's going to, if people, you know, speak, you know, for the Spanish or Catalan, I'm sure you don't have many Catalan people listening, but it's just kind of fun uh, because that's, it's a Catalan story as well. And they have their own language. So I did the extra work and pulled that off too. Oh, that's so. awesome. The film is called The Endora Hustle and it comes out on Amazon Prime September 4th. And as you were just talking about, it will be screening in Europe, in in Spain, in uh, Catalonia, and uh, all the best to you, not only on this film, but all your future projects. And uh, you got my number. Call me anytime. I, I really love to have you back on. So thank you so much, Eric. Hey, thank you. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music